he wouldn't let it be so. Trying to steal your joy, but he wouldn't let it be so. Tried to take your peace, but he just wouldn't let it be so. Some of y'all don't know what he didn't let be so, but he didn't let it be so. Those are dangers unseen. You wasn't even aware that God was blocking some stuff before you and I could ever see it. Somebody say, I don't know what I can thank him for. Thank him for what you hadn't seen that you're glad you didn't see. Thank him for the stuff he did behind the curtain that you didn't even know he did it. But the day will come when you'll see what the Lord has protected you and while you were sleeping at night. The Lord made sure it wasn't your house that had a target on it. I, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Yeah, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, block it for a moment so you can get your praise on. Just go. You only yell at him for me. Just thank, say, thank you, Lord. Throw your head back if you can't do it. Wave a hand and just say, Lord, I, I just recognize you bless me. He is good and worthy to be praised. Let us turn our attention to the gospel of Mark, chapter number 8, verse number 31. And when you see it, or found it, just stand for the reading and reverence to God's word. And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days, rise again. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated in the presence of God. As the Holy Spirit with God on this day, I want to share from the thought, God won't fail. God won't fail. Let us pray. Now will God do what you do best. Decrease me and increase you. So that preaching power will go forth. Reach everyone it needs to reach. Certainly not return to you bored. So now God take the words of my mouth. But the meditation of all our hearts. And let them be acceptable in thy sight. God you are our strength and our holy redeemer. In Christ's name we pray amen. God won't fail. Many of you here have. Um, I think you've met all my in-laws. Today, I, I want to highlight uh, for a moment my, el my wife's eldest brother. And um, for those of you who don't know, I really believe he, he, is, he wanted to be or want to be a preacher. And the reason why I say that is that he has this preaching language that he utilizes when he's around me and others. When my brother-in-law thinks that he has said something profound or he had, and nobody responds, he says the preaching thing. 
I can't get no help up in here. <laughs> and I said, uh, and he does it all the time, but no matter how much time we spend together, my brother-in-law has this uh, way and this uh, approach that he's going to test my theology. He's always going to test my understanding of God. The interesting thing is that it's always the same test and it's always the same one question. He sets the premise for you so that he can make sure you're listening. And you say, brother-in-law, got a question for you. He said, now, God can do anything, but there's one thing God can't do. And I look at my brother-in-law because I want him to know you got my attention and you got me hooked here. And so I look at him and I say, God can't fail. And he nods at me. And he asks me the same question every time. Maybe it's because he needs me to give the political correct answer. That, that he, he wants to go deeper in my theology. That the incorrect question needs a correct answer. Because if God can't fail, then it negates that God can do. That once God can't do something, then God certainly cannot do everything. So, so, so yet there are people who live their lives under the wrong answer that God can't fail. But if God can do anything, then the answer is not God can't fail. It has to be understood that God won't fail. Because many people, even in this house, have parked their faith by the side of the road because they believe God has failed them. And yet it's the understanding, when you understand that God won't fail, even when you think God can't fail, or even when you think God has failed you, You'll keep faith because you know if God won't fail, that somehow God's going to take what looks like a burden and turn that thing around to be a blessing. When you realize that God won't fail, it gives you and me the audacity to look at setbacks and believe it must be a setup. Look at life's letdown and believe God's going to use it as a life lift up. To look at our mess and believe that somehow God's going to turn it into a miracle. Because if God won't fail, that means God's going to do something that's going to seem impossible. And I'm going to believe it even when it seems like the odds are against me. That there's a difference between God can't fail and God won't fail. That means no matter what I'm going through, I believe the Lord will make a way somehow. Because God just won't fail. And so, and so, but Jesus understood the humanity and the human thought. That sometimes we grade failure or look at things and say they're failing and we think it's over and there's no hope and we live as hopeless people. And he told his disciples the day is coming when it's going to look like God has failed. 
It's going to look like I'm not who I said I am. He says the day is going to come when you're going to think God has failed you when really the people fail God. He says the day is coming when I will in your face be rejected and I will suffer many things and you'll think that God has left the building. He says, he says, he says, I'm going to be rejected by the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. He says, I'm going to be rejected, for those of you who take, court, who take notes, by the court of 71. The court of 71 serves as the supreme court to Israel's religious thought. The scribes and the elders and, and the chief priests have their own individual uh, 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 lanes that they drive, but when they come together collectively, they are the religious people and they are the supreme court for religious believers. And he says, these people are going to reject me. That when they come together as one, they have one main responsibility. The courts of 71 have been gathered together to do one thing. And that is to lock shoulders with John the Baptist and point to Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That their task is to point to, the, to, the, to, to Jesus and let the world know that the Lord that they serve is present and manifested in the name of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. That's the only task they have. Come on in here, church. That the church has many dimensions. We can be uh, closed to the naked. We are a restaurant to the hungry. We, we can be a shelter to the homeless. We can be a, a, a refuge for the immigrants. But when it's all said and done, we only have one test as God's court of people. Our task is to let the world know that Jesus is here. We are to point to the dying world to show them a living Savior. And somebody said, how do I show doubters that God is real? You know those bragging points you have? Those are not bragging points those are testimonies. You know that house you live in? You're supposed to point to it and say, nobody but Jesus. You know the car you drive? Point to it. Nobody but Jesus. The clothes on your back? Nobody but Jesus. It doesn't make a difference the quality of it. Long as you know you got a way to get somewhere. If it had not been for the Lord on your side. But instead, we often reject the blessings of God. I'm going to be rejected by the very courts that should highlight and point me out. He says, I'm going to suffer and be rejected by the courts of justice. Talking about Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, he will encounter. Pontius Pilate is the, is the prefect of Judea. He's the governor. He serves under the emperor named Tiberius. He is the one that has the authority and who can grant the authority for all crucifixion. Pontius Pilate is, and, and, and the Jews, in order to crucify Jesus, 
They need the governor to put a stamp on it. Pontius Pilate does something, and he's supposed to bring justice to, to all people. He's supposed to make life fair. Pontius Pilate does something real strange when you read his story. He stands before the accusers. He says, I don't see no fault in this man. It means that the department or the courts of justice have uh, the, the ability and the, and, the, and the purpose in which they can stand and say, I ain't, I ain't going to participate in this. That the Department of Justice or the courts of justice was, was mandated to, to set him free because they, he said it. He said, I don't see nothing he's done wrong. But instead, what he does, he washes his hands and pretends he doesn't see it. This, this is Black Life Matter. Courts of justice will, will look at him with his hands up and his back turned. And yet he's shot and they say, well, we wash our hands to it. This is Trayvon Martin. Goes out to get some Skittles and, and he can't make it back home. And, and justice shook his head and washed his hands to it. This is why we have to keep marching and, and, and protesting because justice says we don't matter. I wish I could preach this thing like, like I feel it. And this is what Michelle Alexandra is talking about in her book, The New Jim Crow. The job is to listen and not be bamboozled by what's going on. When you see police brutality and profiling, it's for a reason. And what they're trying to do, they say, if I can get black boys and black girls just in the system, then all the freedoms that we gain out of slavery, they can now put them back on us. And so they say, I don't need to lock you up. I just need to get your name in the system. That's the Department of Justice because they're washing their hands to us. They know that, and, and yet we understand that the courts of justice is only filling the jails with just us. Richard Pryor may have been a comedian, but he's right. When you go into the prison, there's nobody there but us because the courts of justice will see our innocence and wash their hands to it. But let me tell you, unless we stand up as Christians until justice runs down like water and like a mighty stream, we're going to find that the courts of justice will never pay us no mind. But you better know this, when it looks like God has failed, he won't. I'm trying to help somebody here. He says, he says, that I'm going to be rejected and suffer. I'm going to be rejected and suffer at the courts of public opinion. And he washes hands to it, but then he takes it out on the patio, balcony. Shows him and Barabbas to the, to the people. It's called the Paschal Pardos. During Passover, they, 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 the governor has a right to at least let one prisoner go. And he puts Jesus and Barabbas side by side. Puts them in the courts of public opinion. Said, which one do I set free? I know he said they, they holler out Barabbas, but here's the problem. The people in the court, the jury, are the people he helped. People in the court, calls for his head, are the blind folk who couldn't see, but because of him got sight. The 
people in the court are the ones whose legs wouldn't walk, but because of him, they're standing tall. The people in the court are the ones who was hungry, but he opened up a restaurant in the desert and fed them. And when he needed the people that he helped to stand up for him, they took a criminal over the Christ. And I don't mean no harm. And I ain't trying to be mean. But the same God has helped you and I. And yet, there's so many times when the Lord calls for us to serve, we shake our heads and we crucify him. When we need to stand up for righteousness and we sit down on him, he's calling for us, but we crucify him. Every time that we do something that we know is contrary to God, another nail goes in, another hammer hits the nail. Don't ever let us separate ourselves from the people in the courtyard because we too stand in the courtyard. Were you there when they crucified him? All my sins were there. Hey. Then there's the courts of prayer. Different from the courts of people you help. People you help just hang around you for your help. Careful, know who your friends are, and know who just your friend. <laughs> got light now, y'all done got tight. Have mercy. <laughs> and in the verse prior to that, there's a question that Jesus asked the disciples: Who do men say I am? And 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 Peter answers. He says, "Thou art the Christ." And he says, "The Holy Spirit gave you." But Jesus does something. He confirms, "Yes, that's who I am." You know who I am. And then in the, after this verse, Peter really goes and tells the Lord, uh, I'm going to go with you to the end. Now, I think Peter gets a jacked up charge. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened. When Jesus gets into the court, before he goes to the court, there are 12 of them. And one is gone because he betrayed him for a few coins. Gave him a kiss. Kissed him goodbye. That's, that's, what, that's what he did. So now there's 11 of them. So Jesus goes to trial. When Jesus goes to trial, you know when you go to trial, they have what they call character witnesses. That means that you can stand up in the trial and tell them the good of the person that needs your defense. We always talk about Peter being in the courtroom. And Peter denied him three times. But nobody ever asked, where were the other ten? Peter did have good intentions. He, he did go to the courthouse. But where were the other ten? They were standing there when he said, I am the Christ. They knew who Jesus was. This was his court of friends. He called them out and said, I want you to come and follow me. They walked and saw his ministry. They, they heard his authoritative word. And yet, 
when it came time to get a character witness to say, I know he's the Christ. He told me. He showed me. I seen it for myself. I can tell you what he did for my life, how he changed me, how he elevated me from being fishers in the sea to a fisherman. I can tell you how he came in my house and touched my mother-in-law and raised up. I got some testimonies. I can tell you how he fed us and how he prayed over us and how he taught us the realness of God and how he reminded us that we could do all things through him. I can tell you about but nobody stood up for him. His friends, his inner circle, when he was in trouble, left him there, denied him, didn't show up for the court case. But he's my friend. They see Paula when they get there. They'll see Jesus like they've never seen him before. Nailed to a tree. Jesus immobilized. The same one who walked on water. Now he can't move. Jesus, blood dripping from wounds, wounds that he's healed before, but now he can't heal himself. Jesus, the one who, who preached to them and said, all things are possible if you believe, but now he's hanging and he's asking, my God, why have you? Jesus locks his head between the shoulders and die and goes in a grave like the Lazarus he called out. Jesus. Because the, 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 the church failed him. Justice failed him. The people failed him. And friends have failed him. Now he's in a borrowed tomb and it looks to them that God has failed them. You ever been there? Where it looks like it's all, hope is all gone that God has failed you. But there's a difference when you say God won't fail. Because when it looks like you're at the end of the road. Won't fail, says somehow the Lord is going to work somehow. Y'all ain't got it yet. Woo! Let me tell you about failure. Because y'all a little tight. I know I'm right. I got a, y'all know I got a Honda Accord. 2004, this is a true story. That Honda has 283,000 miles plus on it. True story. Now, let me set the story because I'm telling you, God won't fail. Every two years, I got to take it to emissions. And when I, and, 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 and this true story, the engine light's been on. And those of you who know about emissions, when the engine light's on, failure. You're going to have to spend $450 at least to get it fixed. Two years ago, true story. Because people don't believe my story. But I'm telling you this is a true story. Two years ago, 
My car needs to go into emission. Engine light's on. And I know I'm not going to pull it up in there because it's going to fail, and I'm going to have to spend some money. So I prolong as long as I can. I get right there in Waldorf. The light goes out. I turn quick. Pull up in emission. This is a true story. Y'all listen to me now. Pull up to emission. Pass. Two years more, I can drive it. I don't get out of the parking lot. Engine light, come back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for It gets better. July the 12th, two years. The engine light has been on from the time I left the parking lot. Two years later, until July 12th, I said, honey, I got to go and take this car in. It could have failed. Engine light been on for two years, so I'm going to get this trouble over with early. I pull up to emission. Engine light on. I'm the first one in line. I discover I'm the first one in line because I'm too early. I call my wife. I said, honey, I'm going on to the cleaners. Got to take my new suit. Took my new suit to the cleaners. Come back to emission. I know it's open because now there are 20 cars in line. Down at emission, engine light on. I pull up. There are three rows. And y'all have met this person. They trying to take both rows because they don't know which one going first. So I ain't feel like playing because I'm getting ready to fail. Engine light on. So I decide that I'm going to make them take a lane. They took one lane, I took the other lane. I'm thinking I got the fastest lane. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I see a yellow light getting ready to run out of gas. Now, I'm about three cars deep, gas light on, engine light on, knowing they got to press the gas to test it. At this point, I'm a little nervous. I sit there, Mr. Smith, for a minute, because I'm getting ready to fail. I don't know now if I'm going to make the test, because my gas light on. Looked at my gas light, but I noticed it got a little dark on this side. Engine light went out. I said, huh? I, I said, I'm going to call her. I said, no, I can't call her now. So now I'm in the slowest line, gas light on, engine light off. I say this, Lord, I know you ain't going to work this miracle again. But I'm in the slowest line. So now I'm really getting impatient because I don't know what's going to happen first. Is the gas going to run out or is the engine light going to come on? So as I'm creeping up, it's my turn. Engine light's off. Gas light on. I'm thinking I got it now. But then he says something. Turn the car off. I said, oh, Lord. Because I said, when he turned the car back on, all the lights will come back when you turn it on. Turn the car off. He got in. Turned it on. I wouldn't even look. I just tried to read the computer. Because I know I'm getting ready to fail. I get back in my car. The man hands me the paper. 
He says, you're good for two more years. Y'all ain't got this yet. Because sometimes that's how it is with God. It looks like you're getting ready to fail. But just when you think you're going to fall, the Lord will come in and rescue you. That's all I'm trying to tell you. That don't give up on God. I don't care how bad it looks. The Lord will see you through. It may not look good. I'm trying to help somebody because you have given up on a dream. Don't you give up. You have put something away. Go ahead and pull it out because the Lord is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly more. They thought he was dead. He said, they'll kill me. But three days later, I will get up. When you know he won't fail you, you won't give up when it looks like he has. You won't give up when it looks like everybody else around you has. Because as long as I got Jesus, I don't need nobody. Hey! Church and disappointed me. Justice has disappointed me. People have disappointed me. Friends have turned their back on me. But the Lord is a strong tower. And he stood right there. And he still stands. Hey. Woo. I know that's right. It shouldn't be a give up spirit in this house now. If you heard that word, you said, ah, no, I might be close. But the Lord going to turn that engine light off and going to tell me I'm good for a few more years. Y'all better get that in your spirit.